Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. The overall game was, was pretty solid against a very desperate team. Uh, it's play. It's playoffs right now. It's uh, playoff hockey, and uh, the overall effort by everybody. I, I don't have any complaints on, on our effort and our will. Uh, just didn't get the, uh, the result tonight. They get it. Pollock to the net. Deflected. Lee at the horn, and it won't go. Arizona hangs on and hands the Islanders their third straight loss. Islanders country, hello, this is P.T. Isles, the Going Green Edition. I'm Isles Blog's Joe Bono. A reminder, you can subscribe to this show and every Lighthouse Hockey podcast on iTunes. Help us out. Please rate and review the show. Or find us on Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, or over at LighthouseHockey.com. Lighthouse Hockey, your SB Nation home for your New York Islanders coverage. Coming up, I'll be joined by Isles Blogs contributors Rob Taub and Jay Nichols. We'll talk about the Andy Green trade, the lackluster week that was, and see whether or not Lou Lamarillo will do another move between now and the February 24th deadline. But first, let's uh, recap this uh, very uninspiring week of Islanders hockey. Um, what came to mind was, you know the phrase, the good, the bad, and the ugly? Well, the last three games were the ugly then the bad, and then the good. In that order, in terms of effort, uh, but not much different in terms of results and the underlying problem, which is that team that we've been talking about that really can't score, that really struggles to generate offense, uh, well, they can't score goals right now. A 4 nothing loss on Thursday night to Nashville. 12 straight goals by the Predators against the Islanders this season, and they did that with two different head coaches, by the way. Uh, scored 13 in the two games. That's the most ever allowed 
by the Islanders in a two-game series. So either way, you get the big win against the Flyers, emotional win, the Ryan Pulak goal late after giving up the tying goal late with under a minute to go in the third period. And you go, okay, we'll chalk that up um, to playing a desperate Nashville Predators team on the road, coming off an emotional win. Not the great start to the road trip that you wanted, but we're on to Vegas. Then on Saturday night in Las Vegas, lots of Islanders fans on hand. Um, hopefully losing one to nothing did not damper uh, their late evening plans. For me personally, I was following the game along, but I wasn't watching from the very start. Uh, my wife and I uh, rented um, Ford vs. Ferrari, Matt Damon, Christian Bale. Very good. Highly recommend it. I'm always willing to pay the $5.99 for the rent for the 48-hour rental. Did that. So that took us through the first period. She went to sleep. I thought I'd settle in for the second period, but then my daughter woke up and uh, she would not go back to sleep until around the second intermission. I missed the Vegas goal live. Had to go back and see that debauchery on how they actually scored on the Rolomov turnover. And then I got to stay up to watch the uh, third period. And, uh, you know, this was the Varley and Barzi show on Saturday night. The only two Islanders that really showed up. Varlamov was fantastic. Um, but the team really didn't generate much of any offense, except in the final three, four minutes of the game. You know, you kept on watching. You had your fingers crossed that somehow they'd score that equalizer, get a point. Um, but it wasn't to be. Um, and there was obviously going to be changes after this game. Barry Trotz was not happy with the effort. Talked about there being too many passengers. We've heard that uh, phrase used before by Islander coaches. Both really good Islander coaches and, and mediocre Islander coaches used to use that phrase. And uh, we expected there to be changes. Specifically, he talked about you know, alluding to Sebastian Ajo and that it was time to give him a shot because Noah Dobson really struggled in the game. Um, but, of course, the Andy Green trade happened, and Sebastian Ajo is now back in the AHL, and we'll get to the Green trade in a little little bit. And then, of course, the Islanders play Monday afternoon, President's Day matinee in Arizona against the Coyotes and fall 2-1 to one, uh, in a game they played you know, pretty darn well in. There really wasn't that much to be upset about other than, of course, the the final score and the lack of offensive production, but I felt they were the better team for the vast majority of this game. Fell down one nothing relatively early, had some chances in that first period, and then really played well in the second period. They hit three posts in this game, uh, most notably the one that was deflected off the inside of the post and came about an eighth of an inch from crossing the red line, uh, but Artemi Ranta was able to keep it out and keep the game one nothing in favor of Arizona. They got the 2 nothing lead pretty early in the third. Uh, you thought whether or not the Islanders would go three consecutive games without scoring. Uh, that would not happen as that uh, offensive defenseman, Andy Green, uh, who uh, Lou required uh, for his offense, of course, um, his shot was deflected by Anthony Beauvillier. Um, really brilliant deflection by Beauvillier uh, to break the drought to make it a 2-1 game. Islanders pressed. Uh, had some good quality chances, but uh, ultimately were un unable to capitalize and convert. And they fall 2-1 in Arizona and now have a tough game on Tuesday night against the high-octane offense in the Colorado Avalanche in Denver before finally getting a chance to return home uh, to face the Detroit Red Wings on John Tonelli night at the Coliseum. After the game, a frustrated Anders Lee spoke to the media. 
It's been tough for us lately to find goals, and we got there. We got one from Bowen. Uh, got some life. We just weren't able to get the second one. Um, chances over and over. You just got to find a way to put it in. Just uh, I think that's the part that, that's frustrating the most. You get an open look, and you feel good about it, and then, you know, makes a good save or bounce doesn't go your way or, you know, lets us a couple pipes in the last couple. It's just one of these stretches right now where it's not going in for us, and um, that's where, you you know, you got to continue to make plays, continue to stay on top of it, and, and we'll find a way. It'll come. It's just, uh, you know, when you put three in a row together where you're only getting one goal, it's, it starts to wear. And, uh, but can't let it get to you. we got to figure it out and, and uh, keep pressing. So Anders Lee with the you-have-to-stick-with-it attitude, and I really don't know whether or not there's anything else you can do as a player right now when you're in this type of funk. You keep on going out there. You keep on playing hard. You keep on... Just doing the things that you think make you successful and just hope those bounces come those way and those floodgates open and the Islanders get beyond this uh, most recent offensive funk. And now when the Islanders are going right, uh, they're rolling out four lines. Now by NHL standards, uh, their top line really operates as a 1A. Then they have a 2. They got a solid third line. And then they have a fourth line that you know you can match up against any opposing line and can score some goals. You know, with Casey Zizekas, of course, scoring 20 goals last year. Uh, Right now, they have a top six that has a limited ceiling to begin with, and then two lines that are borderline NHL quality. That's the reality of the situation. That right now, with the injuries to Sezikis and Clutterbuck, that fourth line does not have certainly the intensity, the identity, the ability to score goals uh, that the Islanders have come accustomed to. And then that impacts everything else. I thought Michael Dalcole had a really good game in Arizona, but even when he's active and he's making some plays and forechecking well, he's not necessarily creating a lot of scoring opportunities. Um, you know, Bellows looked like he got a little bit of a moment there on the top six, but then he was brought back down to that third line. Dalcole, Broussard, these none of these guys are scoring goals on five on five. You're going to see Broussard score a little bit potentially on the power play when he has some opportunities. Uh, Delcole will find a way to get some gritty goals here and there. Um, and, you know, and Bellos has been relatively quiet since the Kings game when he scored those two goals in his second NHL game. So um, if that top six continues to be snake-bitten, these problems are, are going to persist. But uh, here was Barry Trotz, the Islanders coach, after the game, hoping, praying that help is on the way. We just need some goals up front from uh, from our crew, and hopefully, uh, you know, in the next little while, we get some some help with, uh, you know, maybe Cal Clutterbuck in the next couple of weeks here, and and then Casey, and I think we'll be we'll be fine. But we've got to get through that as a group, uh, next man up sort of mentality, and um, we'll go from there. You heard Barry mention Casey Zekas and Cal Clutterbuck. Clutterbuck probably more likely is closer uh, than Zekas, but um, you know, if you're if you've got your um, hopes set on Cal Clutterbuck and Casey Zizekas coming back to kind of restore order and, and, and bring things back in terms of offensively speaking for the Islanders, mm, you know, that's, that's kind of just shows you the state of the affairs that, they, they're, that they're in. Because Cal Clutterbuck was not scoring goals um, even well before the injury he sustained in Boston uh, a couple months ago. Now to the trade that was finally made. Speaking of another drought that ended, uh, the Islanders making a trade. Lou Lamarillo uh, acquiring 37-year-old defenseman Andy Green, the captain of the Devils, for a second-round pick in the 2021 draft. And prospect David Quenville 
And listen, um, Andy Green just fills a need. And you know, if you watch this team for the last two months, it was becoming a glaring need more and more. And you know, perhaps if Thomas Hickey was healthy this whole year, um, after the Palich injury, he would have been called up. He would have, you know, played Dobson sparingly. He would have been worked in here and there. But without Hickey, not really close to returning. Dobson was thrust into this situation, and you know, despite some flashes, it hasn't been all bad. You know, he's just not ready to be playing every single night in NHL hockey, especially, I think, when you consider uh, that he was playing on his offside, um, not playing his natural position at the point. That problem now is solved with the lefty, uh, left-handed defenseman Andy Green taking that spot. Now, listen, you can get bent out of shape about giving up a second rounder when a lot of the uh, projections were that Andy Green could be had for a third. Uh, that's what we do, fans. That's what we do, Islander fans. We get upset about everything, even things that we wanted to see happen. Um, but here's the reality. If the Islanders can't do what they do best, which is to play stingy, tight, mistake-free defense, they don't have a chance to make a run in the playoffs. And given where they are currently in the standings, they may not have a chance to make the playoffs. So are you going to risk waiting you know, to see how the market unfolds if you think you have the right type of player that can slide right in. Now, we're recording this on Monday night. There's been a slew of defensemen that have been uh, traded since uh, since the Andy Green move. And most of them are getting traded for a second and a third, a second and a fourth, second and a prospect, conditional picks. So overall, it looks like the price that Lou paid for Andy Green is right around what the market rate was going to be. It was a good haul for the Devils. Islanders fill a need. Probably a win-win type trade right now uh, for both teams. You could squabble and say, I could have maybe gotten him for a third. Listen, they needed the help right away. And um, I think if you watched Andy Greed uh, during his, certainly his long Devils tenure, but if you just even watched him for the first time for a full game closely, like a lot of Islander fans may have on Monday, there was a lot to like. And uh, Barry Trotz liked a lot of it, too. Here was him talking about Andy Green after the game. Poised. Uh, you talk about a guy that uh, uh, knows the game really well. Um, his battle level is, is, is extreme. Um, his character and, and all that. Uh, uh, penalty kill was great. Uh, I mean, he, he fits the, 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 the type of guy we need back on, on, the, on the blue line right now. So a pro's pro on that blue line. Poised, comfortable, knows what he's doing under control and that's wearing the first first time and that's uh wearing a new uniform for the first time with a bunch of uh teammates he does not know doesn't know their tendencies and uh pretty much got to phoenix put on his skates put on a new jersey and got onto the ice so um a good move that really stabilizes that top set that that six pair um really stabilizes the islanders defense groups he goes right slides in right where pelage was playing with Pulock. Now, Pulak's, you know, can get a little bit more of a rest during the game, get back down to 20, 21 minutes. So can Devin Devontae's, who's been stepping up and playing a lot more minutes. Um, Nick Letty seems to have really struggled with the increased workload uh, defensively. And, um, you know, Noah Dobson gets to be where he really should be at this point, which is, since he can't be in the AHL, the seventh defenseman on this team. So it just kind of restores order. Uh, to the Islanders defense group because as as uh, Arthur Staple coined in the Athletic, they were playing like five and a half defensemen because Dobson wasn't getting more than nine, 10, 11 minutes a game. Now everyone can kind of settle back in uh, to their roles. 
And um, I think also what was a positive sign of this trade is that I think, I think, we don't know for sure, but it feels like that this is not the type of move you make if you're Lou Lamarillo if you intend to, quote, stand pat again this year, right? This move can't be the move. You don't trade for a stay-at-home defenseman and only a stay-at-home defenseman when you're at the bottom of the league in goals and that is your obvious need like it is right now for the Islanders. So, you know, if you want to look for an indirect bright spot after these last three games, it's that if he somehow wasn't absolutely convinced that it wasn't abundantly clear to Lou that this team desperately needed scoring, uh, that this latest stretch uh, should erase all doubt. Now, where does he go? Tyler Trifoli is off the board. Um, he's gone to Vancouver, so that was the most commonly known, quote, Islanders trade target. And, you know, with one second-round pick already gone, you know, are you going to be willing to move this year's second-round pick plus something else for that player? If so, who that is? Who's that going to be? Or are you even ready to give up your first-round pick uh, for this season for, you know, maybe a Pajot? Maybe that's what it takes ultimately to get someone in here to help this forward group. Or maybe there's another player that isn't being talked about as much, a player that may have some term um, available or some teams that decide that they're going to be sellers in the next couple of days or so. Um, but it'd be very hard to imagine that this would be the only move the Islanders make because you make this move because you believe you're in playoff position and you're going to be a playoff team and you need to fix this in order to make a run. And the other thing they need to fix, of course, to make a run is they need some help. They're not that far away to having a good enough forward group. It's one or two players that just allow everyone else to go into their right spots amongst those top three lines. You get Sezikis back. You get Clutterbuck back. That fourth line is stabilized. Their identity is back. And all of a sudden, you have enough people out there that can score 15, 18, 20, 25 goals that the goals will be enough as long as they do what they do best and play that tight, stingy defense. We'll take a break. When we get back, I'll be joined by Rob Taub and Jay Nichols, contributors for our Isles blog site. You're listening to PT Isles, part of the Lighthouse Hockey Podcast Network. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. We're back. P.T. Isles, Lighthouse Hockey Podcast Network. Joe Bono with you. And I'm now joined by a pair of Isles Blog contributors, Jay Nichols and Rob Taub. Follow them on Twitter at JayNicholsNYI and at RTaub underscore. Rob, Jay, how you doing? Thanks for joining me tonight. Doing great. Doing pretty well. How are you? All right, guys. So on a scale, you know, one to ten, how, how concerned are we? You know, I put out a tweet last night after the game. Don't look at the standings. Don't look at the standings. Don't look at the standings. Because they are incredibly close. And... Islanders are about uh, just a couple points and another couple bad games from being the outside looking in. Uh, Rob, we'll start with you. I'd say a five. 
I, I think the last three games have really, you know, I wouldn't say put a dent, but they, they, it's a really big cause for concern, but because before that they were scoring in bunches and I almost attribute it to where if they don't get the first goal, they're in, they're into like for really tough games. That, that's what I've really noticed like lately is like when they score the first goal, they really get themselves going. And I don't know. I, I keep, you say, don't look at the standings, but every team just like them in that mix in the Metro from about three to six is they're all inconsistent. You know, the, I know the Flyers are winning tonight over Columbus. You got Pitt, you got Pittsburgh, but it's like no team is really start. No team has really like set themselves apart in that little, you know, mix of teams. So I don't, I wouldn't say it's time to panic just yet. I think if the Islanders lose tomorrow in Colorado and end up losing to Detroit and San Jose, God forbid, then I'd start to go up toward the seven, eight, nine, and maybe even a 10. All right, Jay, how about you? Um, yeah, I mean, I would say probably a couple of days ago before we acquired Andy Green, I would be at a five. Uh, but now that we have brought Andy Green on board um, at about a four, I would say, um, just because I've, I definitely noticed um, in yesterday's game that the defense has stabilized a little bit now, not having, you know, about five and a half defensemen playing in a game. So um, I do think that, you know, Barry Trotz does work wonders, um, and he will get a, a or figure out a way for the Islanders to finally get back onto their, their uh, scoring touch. But um you know, again, like I said, with Andy Green, I feel like that that defensive uh, issue we had with you know Dobson playing a little shaky, Bo- uh, Johnny Boychuk might be a little bit tired, uh, is a little more stabilized with Andy Green back in the lineup now. So, you know, hopefully Lou can maybe figure out something to, uh, you know, bring in to contribute to the offense. But I also think that Barry Trotz isn't going to really let this uh, goalless skid last much longer. You know, I keep on wanting to think that, too, that Barry Trotz and his coaching staff, that I trust them. But this has been a prolonged, prolonged period of really inconsistent hockey. I mean, we've talked about it at nauseum. 15-0-2, 17-game point streak. After that, they're they're mediocre. I mean, they've been a non-playoff team in terms of how they performed, you know, since that point. And as much as I say do not look at the standings, I have it up right now. And uh, 72 points, played 58 games, Columbus 72, Flyers 71, Hurricanes 70. So between those six teams, you know, at least one is going to be on the outside looking in. Um, And here's the thing. At this point, Rob, I don't care about position. Like, I don't care where they're situated. I don't think they're going to win the division. It's actually a shame because – Capitals have kind of stubbed their toe here as well the last few games. Exactly. If the Islanders were playing all right and had won maybe two out of the three games on this road trip, you know, they'd be three points back in the division, but they're seven. They're seven back and they actually have the Penguins in between as well. Um, it's going to be a really tough matchup no matter what. If you get in and you're the eight seed and you're playing the Bruins or the Lightning, that's going to be tough. The seven seed, Capitals or Penguins, that's going to be tough. Even if you were the three, you're going to play the Capitals or Penguins. So I'm no longer concerned with home ice, you know, who they're going to play, matchups, et cetera. Just get into the tournament and try to be playing your best hockey once that calendar turns to postseason. And I think you're right to have that mindset. Look, we've seen all year long 
when the Islanders, when they need to step their game up, and especially against the good teams, I mean, they won both games in Washington this year. They've beaten Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh. They won in Philadelphia. They've beaten the Bruins. They've shown that they can play against all the competition in the East. And I think the positioning, like you said, I wouldn't be totally worried about it because, you know, like the players are a crapshoot. And we've seen with this team, we saw it last year when they're given no chance, you know, they, they surprise you. But I, I agree with you, Joe. I, I think positioning, I think it's a little bit overrated this year because it's proven that they can go into any building and play with any team and they can beat any team. And they know the, they know these teams. They know who they like. They know what they're going to be up against. They know the matchups. So, you know, I, I think not worrying about position right now. I think once the trade deadline's over and we see what goes on from that moment, you can have a little bit of that thought in the back of your head. But at this point of the season, I, I'm with you on that. You know, I, I think that a lot of people are are right now worried because you know this this three game skid and, and one goal in not, uh, nine periods in the past three games. I totally understand that, um, but like Rob said, we got to see where we where we're at after the uh, the trade deadline is over. You know, I know a lot of the uh, a lot of the talk this year was all all the other teams in the Metro. You know, got better. Uh, we stayed the same. This and that. And the other thing, but you know, again, like like Rob said, we got to see where we are after the trade deadline. Um, you know, it already started with getting Andy Green in, so I think you know, Lou has something up his sleeve. You know, I think he is definitely working the phones right now. I don't think he's sleeping like a lot of people try and say that he is doing. (laughs) Um, So, you know, yes, did the Islanders, you know, stand pat and, and, you know, not really improve from last season? Absolutely. But are they far off from being, um, you know, in contention like the other teams are? Maybe, you know, we don't have Crosby and Malkin, um, but, you know, one, one, maybe two pieces away from being a legit contender. And, um, you know, the crazy thing about this year, too, and, and Rob, you touched on it, is that, um, you know, when they're playing the Eastern Conference and they're playing the better teams in the Eastern Conference, they've been remarkable against everyone. Yep. And uh, yet when, you know, these Western Conference, when I looked at the schedule after the All-Star break and I had Arthur Staple on, didn't have a voice that day, but I had Arthur Staple on. And we Great were job, talking about what the schedule looked like on the after the after the break, and we talked about this West Coast trip, and you know, you're playing teams that are on the fringe of the playoffs or on the outside looking in, and how that you know looked like a good thing, and the fact that they had played a lot of the top echelon teams in the division, and we're going to wrap up series with a few of them as well, but that hasn't been a good thing for this team. They played down to their opponents, and especially in these Western Conference games. They, I mean, Nashville obviously blew out, blew the doors off them twice, um, twelve consecutive goals, and uh, now this Tuesday night game against Colorado team that's going to be looking uh, to kind of even up this season series after a really good game that they played, the two teams played at the Coliseum a couple of months back. Yeah, it's hard to like kind of understand why the Islanders are playing down to the competition, especially the Western Conference when last year they dominated the Western Conference, most of the Western Conference. Yeah, they had a little bit of trouble with one or two teams, but losing, like, losses to, like, the Kings and the Ducks and, you know, these really bad teams, like, back in, you know, December and even this road trip now, you know, it could come back to bite you. And I just, I think that, you know, there's times where they need to just take care of business and this is where it comes down. Like, we, I'm not looking ahead to the uh, the 
Detroit and Taylor. But those are two games you've got to get four points, especially with how, like we were mentioning, how tight the standings are. Those are games you just cannot, you cannot lose. And I just, they have to, there's times I think with this team, there's a mindset where they think it's going to be easy. Like, I look, everything that Barry, that comes out of Barry Trot's mouth, he's, you know, he's like a preacher. And, you know, sometimes I think fans just don't want to hear it because of all the years that they had to deal with the Capuanos and all the, all the, you know, nonsense that would come out. Listen to what Barry Trotz has to say. Like, this team, they can't ever take an opponent easy. And I just think sometimes they've done that this year. And, they, you know, now is the time where that's got to stop. Like, this is, this is crunch time. And these next six weeks are going to be – they've been hell already for this team coming mm-hmm. out of the break, mm-hmm. especially with their record so far. But that's, you know – You know, Rob, he keeps on – you know, Barry in these post games has talked about, um, you know, the honors needing to start playing playoff hockey because that's mm-hmm. what these other teams are playing and that they're playing these desperate teams. But, but Jay, I mean, as we talked about and how close the standings are, the Islanders are approaching the desperate team label as well at this point. I mean, every single point is crucial. This isn't like late December and January where you, you know, have a couple of bad games and you look at the projections and you go, oh, well, they're still on pace to win 100, you know, to have 108 points. So everything is okay. Like that thinking is gone right now. Every single game and every single day is scoreboard watching and needing to get points. Yeah, you you could definitely say that. And, uh, you know, the, I think the good news is that, you know, you see the games that are coming up, like, you know, against Colorado, um, against San Jose, against Detroit. The, this year, the Islanders actually have written, risen to the occasion um, against teams like Colorado. Um, you know, I think the only team actually in the um, the Eastern Conference who actually has their number, who's coming up on Tuesday, is the Rangers. Um, mm-hmm. Other than that, you know, it, it, within the conference um, and within the division, you know, you look at uh, against the Capitals, they're 2-2. Two and two, um, Against the Flyers, they're 3-0. and Against the Penguins, they're 2-0. and So, you know, they're getting the work done within their division, within the conference. Um, this, this stretch is important. You know, you, you got to beat Detroit uh, coming on, uh, on Friday. You have to beat San Jose coming on Sunday. Um, you know, next game is out against Colorado is an obvious must-win with, you know, their, their starting goaltender um, down. Miko Rantanen just went down as well. So, um, I know they have Nathan McKinnon, um, but, you know, this is a must win one goal in the past, you know, three games, it isn't going to, isn't going to cut it. Um, you know, this would be a good game for them to, to turn it around against, you know, a top team like Colorado. Um, and, you know, who knows, maybe they'll, they'll go on a good stretch run here because, you know, like Rob said, they've beaten Boston, they've beaten Washington. They've shown us that they can run with the big dogs. Um, and now it's time to take advantage. You know, again, I know they're, they're on this slide, but you know, they have to come out of it. And I think, uh, I think that this is a big test for them coming up. You know, ironically, one goal was enough the time they last played the Colorado Avalanche, a one nothing shutout oh, uh, at true. the Coliseum. I uh, can't uh, can't expect that to happen, but you know that might be the only way the Islanders are going to get a win on this road trip is if they're able to uh, shut out the opponent. Uh, P.T. Isles, uh, Joe Bono talking with Isles Blogs contributors, uh, Jay Nichols and Rob Taub. Uh, let's talk trade. We'll start off, Rob, talking about Andy Green. Certainly not the sexiest of acquisitions, but uh, rock solid. Um, you know, listen, if, if you don't watch a lot of Andy Green, you probably don't appreciate what he does um, on the exactly. ice. But, you know, just watching that game against Arizona to kind of step onto the ice with a new uniform after 14 years in New Jersey, 
and a whole slew new of two new teammates. He looked like he's been on the team for years. I mean, he did not look rattled at all. I know you've watched a lot of Devil games uh, over the last couple of years in Newark as part of the work you do for Fischler Reports. Um, this was uh, maybe he wouldn't have been worth a second-round pick to every team, but the way he fits in with the Islanders, uh, it was pretty perfect. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I thought he fit, fit right in. I thought he fit the mold for what they've been missing since Adam Pellick went down with that, un- with that unfortunate injury. I, I just think that he brought a sense of calmness to that group, and especially on the ice. You you could see it. You you could see Nick Letty was pushing up in the play again. You could see a guy like Brian Pulas, where he was trying to get in on the offense. But it just looked like they were – because there's been times this year without Pellick, well, since he went out, that they look like they're lost in their own zone. And I think, I think having Green now – kind of, you know, gives them that sense of normalcy back again. And, you know, people can complain about the price. They really can. But you look at what the, what the market was set, and you see guys like, uh, like Brendan Dillon get, you know, go for a second and a third round pick. The Islanders, I can say, I really thought they didn't really give up anything. Like David Quinville, for a guy, I, I remember thinking that he was going to be something with this team, you know, years ago because he, he had like a Ryan Kulak type of shot. He had great speed. But he just, you know, he just can never, you know, make his way up the totem pole. And, you know, he, he might not ever play a game in the, in the NHL. We, we don't know. And, you know, that 20, 21 second round pick, that, you know, as, that pick might not ever make it into the NHL. So I think for what the Islanders needed, I think Green was the right fit. He knows Lou's system. He knows what Lou wants from a guy in that locker room in terms of a presence, in, term of, in terms of a veteran. I, I really like the move. I really hope that he does trade for a forward. I, I think he will. I think the Chris Kreider stuff is nonsense. I, I, I know it's a People will say, I don't know what I'm talking about, to, but the Islanders and Rangers are still a rivalry. And for the Rangers to help out the Islanders or for the Islanders to do vice versa, you know, you're at like, that's unheard of in this, like in like these types of situations. The Islanders would have to blow the Rangers away. Or something like that to happen. I've always wanted my coffin. I continue to want my coffin, but now that Vincent Trocheck is on the block, I would think Lou can make a play for him. And I, that's a center that could really, really get the Islanders in another dynamic down, down the middle. On the middle. Yeah, but Matt Martin can't uh, trip uh, Trocheck if he's on the Islanders, so uh, that would have to. <laughs> they'd have to talk about that. They still haven't um, over that. Jay, well, I mean. I wouldn't either if I was them. That was a penalty. But, uh, Jay, um, you know, what do you think the Islanders look like post-February uh, 24th here? I mean, I think everyone, the prevailing thought was, you know, Lou doesn't make that first move if he's not planning to make a second move, right? You don't you don't work and give out an asset to solidify the blue line unless you feel like you're going to be able to also fix the other problems with this team. So um, do you think ultimately what, – what, well, let me ask you this. What is the price? Forget the player, but what's the price you're willing to pay for that for that acquisition? You know, are you willing to give up that first round pick for this upcoming draft to bring in a rental? Uh, yeah, I mean, that's that's the tough question here because you know, for such a long time, you know, Islander fans have been have been begging for uh, you know an, an answer here in, in the scoring department or for you know Matt Barzell's wing. And, uh, you know, the names floating out there for a rental like Chris Kreider, they're, they're going to cost you a first-round pick. Traditionally in the past, have the Islanders really coughed that up? No. 
uh, I forget what they what did they cough up for Thomas Vanek, and it it it, it sort of almost worked out. Matt Molson. Matt Molson and a first round pick. And a first <laughs> yeah. round pick. Right, and you know they didn't get too far after that. He ultimately ended up leaving. So, um, you know, we we haven't traditionally in the past given up that first round pick. I I would think you know for a guy like um, you know Kyle Palmieri with a little bit of term, sure, let's give up that pick because we get an extra year out of him. Um, but if it's for a rental, I know we gave up our second round pick last uh, next year for Andy Green, but maybe we can give up you know maybe a second and a third this year for maybe a guy like Mike Hoffman, who would be a good fit. He's a good sniper, 25-plus goal guy, um, who would fit well on Matt Barzell's wing. Um, you know, and I think that would help relieve Anders Lee of maybe so much pressure put on him to score 40 goals again like he did a couple of years ago. I, I don't know if we're ever going to see that again out of, out of Anders Lee, um, but, you know, he could maybe chip in 20 goals a season on a third line, um, you know, whoever is centering that line after February 24th. Um, J.G. Peugeot is another guy who, you know, Islander fans have been screaming for. Um, some of the beat writers have said he he would be a good fit. Only thing is, once again, do you really want to give up a first-round pick for a rental player like J.G. Peugeot um, when this is his first year where he's actually put up these kinds of points? Um, and it's also known that he actually enjoys being in Ottawa, so who's to say he's not going to uh, run back to Ottawa uh, come season's end? So, Giving up the first round pick for a rental, I think, is a bit much. I'm okay with giving up a few uh, picks after the first round for maybe a rental player. Um, just because when you look up and down the Islanders roster, the only current player on the roster right now who came out of the second round uh, that the Islanders drafted is Scott Mayfield. After that, you have guys you know who are up and down from the AHL to the NHL, or we've traded them away. Um, so I'm okay with giving up a couple of picks after the first round for a rental, but in the first round, I'd rather hold on to that first rounder, especially with this draft coming up. There's a lot of talent in this draft. Um, mm-hmm. but if we're getting a guy with term, sure. Cough it up. Get me Kyle Palmieri. Um, or just Vincent Trocek yeah. term still left. Cause if that's, if that's a player on the board, I'm down for Vincent Trocek as well. Um, you see what Derek Broussard does on the wing. Um, so p- move him to the wing and uh, put Trocek on in, in, that, in that center slot, and I think you have a, a good uh, middle of Barzell, Trocek, and Nelson. Can I just add to Jay's point? He meant, you know, you, you do mention giving up a first-round pick for a rental. That's something a team does if they're a win-now team. And like Joe was saying before, and like you said, Jay, you don't trade for an Andy Green. I know he's 37 years old, but he's a rental if you're not in a win-now perspective. And with the East as open as it is this year, I'm willing to give up that first round that first round pick if it means getting a guy. And I know the bigger thing is getting him to knowing if he's going to sign here long term. But if it means the Islanders getting to the second round or more, or really solidifying themselves as a possible Stanley Cup contender, you got to do it. This is it. This is the time now. There's no more waiting for the future. The future is here. So you know how Islander fans have had enough pain. They they've had so much patience. And I can see why it's running thin, because this is their time. They're a good team. They've got a great head coach. They've got the goaltending. What else? And they've got the defense. I don't know what else, what else more do you need. Yeah, I mean, I, well, not I only agree. That, not only that, they've, uh, not only that, that they've, you know, made a pretty, you know, big statement in the offseason when you re-sign yeah. Everly and Lee and, and yeah. um, 
and Nelson and bring back guys that are in their late 20s to six- and seven-year contracts. Um, you know, listen, Even going after they're not going to be better than they are on the other side of 31, 32 years old than they are right now. So, you know, your window to win with these guys at the top of your of your team or is probably around a three-year window and then you're going to have a number of you know add josh bailey to that list as casey Suzuki right. to the list you're going to have a lot of guys in their uh you know 31 32 33 years old i mean they're one of the older teams in the league already um i think for me i'm I, i'm starting to really believe that he's going to lose going to be willing to give up a first round pick plus if it is a player that has term for next year because after what he experienced this offseason and not being able to land Panarin despite having the largest offer reportedly on the table um, he's got to come up with different ways to improve the roster for next season and uh, going the free agent free agent route and bringing in another contract at four five six year term is not the smartest thing in terms of how this roster is constructed, but bringing in someone that can help out the rest of the way here in 2020, and then a look ahead next year that for someone that can help in and put them in the top, uh, plug them in the top six next year, that me- that makes a lot of sense, and it may be a first round pick plus someone in the system that fans may not like see go, but for for the right player with some term, I think that's the most attractive option for the team. Agreed. Yeah, I. I agree with that. You know, you look at you look at guys like when we when we traded for Jordan Eberle. You look at uh, when we traded for even Johnny Boychuk back in the day. Once you know someone comes to Long Island, they play for the team. They see how things work. They genuinely love Long Island. They might not love you know the uh, what goes on for having to get to the Barclays Center, taking the train, and then you know to, uh, calling a cab to go home. Totally understand that. But you know that's in the past now. Belmont is on its way and players typically do love living on Long Island and playing for the Islanders once they get here. So once they see what it's like, um, you know, I, I think that's, that's how we, we really attract our, uh, our good players, our toxic six forwards. All you have to do is look at Andy Green. He waived his no trade clause to come here. That does not happen. That has not right. happened with the Islanders. And I don't think, you know, I mean, we might have to, you know, hit up Eric Horner, but I don't think that's ever happened. I, I honestly, like, I really don't. So, you know, that's just like, like Jay was saying, like once these guys come here, they fall in love with the place. And if right. they know they, and if a guy comes here knowing he has a chance to win the cup, you know, he's going to stay. Well, well, we'll see when people start, uh, when start, when people start waving their no trade clauses to uh, travel more than 20 <laughs> miles, then we'll, we'll say that it's a really big success. Um, let's, let's leave it there. Uh, Rob Taub, Jay Nichols, Isles Block contributors. I really appreciate uh, the time tonight and all the work you do for the website. And uh, we've got a lot of, a uh, lot of Islander hockey and a lot of, I think, uh, nervous moments in front of us over the next month and a half, but it's going to be fun either way. Thanks again. Thank you. Thank you. We'll be back to wrap things up in a moment. You're listening to PT Isles, part of the Lighthouse Hockey Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We're back. And one final thought for me before we 
wrap things up. Friday night, 8 o'clock start is John Tonelli night at the Coliseum. Islanders hosting the Detroit Red Wings. And if you've been listening to the show for a while or following our at Isles blog Twitter account, you know that I have a very high bar when it comes to retiring numbers. For me, it's the highest honor a team can bestow on an individual. And if I was the decision maker, there would be no change to what's currently up at the rafters. Um, I would keep it the same. I'd have a John Tonelli night, induct him into the Islanders Hall of Fame. I would do the same uh, for Butch Goring. Uh, with that said, I know that I am most likely in the minority there, and um, that's okay. I am ecstatic for John Tonelli, uh, certainly a core member of the Stanley Cup Dynasty team. And as I've said previously, if I was old enough to be watching those games day in and day out and living through those Stanley Cup playoff runs without doubt, without a doubt, John Tonelli would have been my favorite player. So everyone who's going to the Coliseum on Friday have an absolutely wonderful time tailgating before the game, getting in there, and make sure that it's electric. Uh, the team may very well need you to break a four-game losing streak by then. Hopefully not. Um, and it's been a long time since the Islanders have had this type of ceremony. And certainly it's been a long time since they've had it at the Coliseum. And um, I'm sure that Bossy's going to be there. Potvin, Trottier, Smith, Nystrom, Gillies. And uh, they'll be ecstatic for their former teammate to help him raise up that number 27 uh, to the rafters. you got Jiggs McDonald coming up um, to MC the event. That's going to be fantastic as well, the voice of the Islanders throughout that uh, Stanley Cup playoff run. So let's hope the Islanders can um, bottle that energy up from that pregame ceremony and go out and uh, defeat the Detroit Red Wings and get things uh, turned around and back on a winning track here. Um, in, in due time, and maybe that uh, before they raise the next banner on the 29th for Butch Goring, there'll be a new Islander or two joining uh, the current roster on the ice. So that'll do it for this episode of PT Isles. Thanks again to Jay Nichols and Rob Taub of Isles Blog for joining us. Of course, be sure to follow us on Twitter at Isles Blog and to follow this show and every Lighthouse Hockey podcast. Follow at LHH Podcast. You get Islanders Anxiety with Dan and Mike. Isles Buzz with Dan and Noel. My favorite Islanders game, Lighthouse Look Back, and Islanders Award winners all on the same podcast channel. Take a deep breath. I think it's going to be okay, Islanders country. We'll talk to you next week. Good night. 